Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. All right, Sean, thank you for joining us here today. So glad to have you on. I know it's been a couple of weeks of trying to get you on, but I'm glad we're finally able to make it happen. Yeah, so am I. I mean, it took having some PTO, but we made it work. <laughs> right, yeah, I would love some PTO right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, the watching last night's game, the uh, Guardians lost to the San Diego Padres last night. But uh, before that, we can get into some Houston Astros talk because I don't know about you, but – uh, you know, the Houston Astros still carry a lot of negative weight up here in Cleveland, and they were able to take two out of three uh, from them over the weekend, and that was certainly a treat, especially that Friday game. I mean, 14 innings. Jesus Christ. And I was there for that 14-inning game. I mean, Same. just thinking about how the game worked with the pitch clock, like we, the 14th inning was done about, like, what, four hours and five minutes in to the game, roughly give or take. So if you think about like how prior to the pitch clock, let's say you averaged uh, one hour for every three innings. I mean, you you did pretty dang good uh, considering that was four hours and 14 innings. I mean, holy heck, we would have been there all night if not for <laughs> a, the pitch clock and also the runner on base, which I'm still just at times with the runner on base. I don't know, but still overall, that was a great, great way by uh, just – even though it wasn't the best start by uh, Logan Allen, he'd certainly hunkered down, was able to get through six frames, and then the bullpen was able to take it the rest of the way. I mean, that was impressive and just felt like a big moment and a big spot. And, and not to mention that whole 14th inning stretch. I'm going to credit that for the win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my first time seeing a 14th inning stretch for sure. That was definitely different. I mean, how often are you going to see a 14th inning baseball game? Almost never. Season? Almost right. never. And I don't was that the longest game with the pitch clock uh in play, or has there been a long I, game already? 
I think so. Uh, something tells me there was one game longer uh, in terms of time, but I I can't I can't verify that right now. And but that's I think what I it keep was. Thinking it's like there's it feels like there should be one game that was longer, but we don't know. It's like this is the longest that we know of. <laughs> right, and you talk about that runner in second. That's something that I even now I haven't been able to like adapt to. I think I'm okay with the idea of having a runner on, and you know, in terms of trying to speed up the game. But maybe like put them on first base. I don't know. I don't like being on second base because, I mean, a little bloop single, the first you know batter of the game or you know the inning or whatever. I mean, but there's also you the easily fact give that you run. just have double play after double play after double play after double play when someone just True. rolls on a on a ball and just grounds it over to the second baseman. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, the idea of Kyle Tucker uh, hitting not he's went hitless through the first nine innings and then his two at bats and extra innings gave them the lead. Now, luckily we were able to come back from that, but just the idea of that, just slapping a single up the middle and next thing you know, they score for the go ahead run. I don't, that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. I mean, it was just crazy with that Friday night. Cause I, there was a couple scoreless innings and extras and then one and one, one and one, one. And then it's like, there's no way the guardians are going to get to it. It's like, they've had to have exhausted every single option. Then all of a sudden, RBI double by it wasn't Jimenez who was it was who was the first who hit the first RBI double? I'm trying to remember right now. Yeah, I feel it's ashamed not, it's that I don't remember right now. Yeah, but I don't but know. You get that one, and then you get Will Brennan. I mean, he has looked great. I mean, I I love Oscar Gonzalez still, especially just more so for the nostalgia factor of just the surprise of last year, but. Brennan may have gotten uh, Gonzalez's role that he thought he was probably going to be ticketed for. Yeah, he's definitely earned it so far, especially lately. He's been hitting very well. And then that hit on Friday, being able to take a fastball up the other way and slap it down left field line for, uh, you know, the game winning run was definitely something that I don't even think that uh, people think that you would get out of him even last Mm -hmm. year and to see him kind of come into his own and and kind of mature more as a player at the plate for him to do that, I think is great. Can we talk about Jose Ramirez during that Friday game, though, when it, the count starts creeping up, creeping up, creeping up? We get to 3-2, and it's just the anticipation in the building. And you know this is going to be a big moment. And then crack the bat, and you see the ball flying. And I'm I'm in the club mm-hmm. since for that game. And it's like – and I can see the ball flying immediately off the bat. I'm like, it's either going to be caught right at the wall where it's just going to be a few feet over where they just aren't going to be able to reach it. And it was the latter. And oh my goodness, it was one heck of a, one heck of a swing, man. I mean, Jose, you couldn't be more clutch than that in that moment. Yeah. That's how I felt about Naylor's at bat. I believe it was the same day. I can't remember if it was that day or the the day after that, but Mm. Naylor, he hit about three or four balls that you thought were going to end it. And there was one, uh, to center field. Oh yeah. The ninth. Was it the ninth? Yeah. Yeah. Center field. Off the wall. And I'm like, this is either off the wall. I think he caught it, but it, it was like, it's barely going to get over and we're going to win. The ninth the inning, Especially. I think, was when he hit the one like off the top of the uh, tall wall. I can't yeah. remember for sure, but I think, but man, just. I mean, you man. just talk about a, a roller coaster game that whole night. I think, if I remember correctly, the Guardians are the first team in MLB history to overcome uh, a deficit five separate times in the extra innings. Hmm. I mean, pretty sure that's a deficit five separate times uh, in extra innings. We're just talking about through the whole game or just like the extra frames itself. Just the extra frames itself. Being able to come back. I think think, because they were down in the ninth and had to come back. 
the tenth and eleventh were scoreless, and then the twelfth through the fourteenth, each team scored a run. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sure about that one, but <laughs> oh man, that that game was just it was just so much fun. I I couldn't have been happier with that game. Although definitely the time was a little bit weird, but given that you get fourteen innings in just over four hours, I mean that that's pretty good. Uh, most, most yeah, most people would take that. You know, people have their complaints about the pitch clock, including myself, but. To get a 14-inning game in barely over four hours, I mean, that's probably a half hour more, you know, from the average time from last year is just 30 more minutes, and yet you got in five extra innings. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I don't really have much else to say on that. I mean, guards are rolling. The only thing is just trying to beat San Diego, and them and uh, Arizona, they aren't going to be cakewalks. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, to finish out that Astro series, I mean, McKenzie got the loss on Saturday, but for Shane Bieber, he's been up and down lately uh, so far this season, but kind of turned back the clock. He went seven innings, struck out nine. Uh, you know, a lot of complaints is that he barely strikes out four, if any, and he goes out, strikes out nine while allowing no runs in a five nothing shutout. I was surprised by that. I mean, I always count on him for to at least record a quality start. But that was a surprise. I loved that. It was good to see that kind of format of Bieber. It's like, and I know the whole conversation right now is about trading Bieber, trading Rosario, trying to get value. But honestly, as much as you could be fine with Gavin Williams and maybe Bybee, Savale, Quantrill when he's back healthy, McKenzie, Allen, you don't have that true experienced ace who could lead you through a playoff run. I mean, McKenzie has that ceiling and so does, you know, a couple of these other guys, but I don't know. I mean, I see the arguments for and against it. I am just so torn over trading Bieber at this deadline. The only way I'd do that is if you give me a bat who has three and a half years of control and that the team is going to be in the national league. And I don't think you're going to give me a team that's going to have a superstar type of bat or caliber type of bat. I don't know who you would get. It's just hard to gauge. And especially when people are clamoring for the prospect package, I'm like, they're prospects for a reason. Matt Laporta. I mean, even San Diego, when they got Francisco Mejia and so many other players, when people keep saying, when I saw people going nuts about Will Benson hitting a walk-off home run for Cincinnati, I'm like, that dude took so long yeah. to get up to the majors. No disrespect to Will Benson, but just he took so long to get to the majors. I'm like, this is why prospects are prospects. And sure, there's a couple of guys who've hit like right away that you knew were going to be good. Harper had, I don't know if Trout would be classified in that same era, but there, there are certainly those guys, but the same time it's like there have been plenty of misses and it's just you never know right yeah and with bieber you know that dominant form that he just displayed during his last start um with the whole up and down of the season it's like you don't really know what you're going to get for him if i'm going to say if anything you'll get something for him but with him displaying that outing that's i would guess is surely uh, up in his value for the trade deadline. So I think it would be easy to kind of say, oh, you know, maybe he won't get traded this year. Maybe we'll look for the offseason or next year. But when he's performing as well as he has lately, and especially that last start, that may just make it easier for teams to call and say, hey, we want Shane Bieber. And at that point, it'll just depend on what they offer in return. 
Yeah, but I also think of this. When uh, the Brewers traded Josh Hader last year, they went straight down the pipe. And yeah, they did. If you, if you trade Shane Bieber, I'm less worried about Rosario to an extent. I know he's probably beloved in that clubhouse, the hustle and all that. But if you trade Shane Bieber and you are just right on the heels of the Twins with a 500 better record or you're ahead of them by only a game or two, that is going to suck the sales out of everything. That is my, or I shouldn't say that as a matter of fact, but it's, it seems like to me, that's where I feel like things would go is that you would end up like the Brewers of 2022. And I do not want to see that happen. But do you think that would happen? Because we've called up two rookies already. There's another one kind of in waiting. It just depends on, you know, when he comes back. I think you need to let the younger guys like Bybee and Allen get some more time around Bieber. I don't, they're not ready to be the heads of a playoff rotation yet. Bybee example yesterday. I chose not to start him in one of my fantasy leagues because I had the I had the feeling that an experienced lineup where you have Sanchez, Machado, Bogart, Soto, Cronworth, all those guys out there. I know I was missing one, Tatis. Uh, if you're going to go up against those veteran type of lineups in the playoffs, I don't know if you can fully trust the rookies. I love these rookies in the rotation, but at the same time, are you're not unless they were the be the next coming of Sandy Koufax? I would not trust them alone. You need to have the guy who's been to the playoffs before, who's helped front of rotation before, who has won a Cy Young award. That's what you need in order to get these guys when you do move on from Bieber to the next level. And honestly, I'm still fine if they just decide, you know what, we're going to contend with him the next two years. He gives us the best chance to win a World Series. And you get a compensation draft pick. I mean, look at, I know it's not exactly, you know, something that's destined to happen, but Aaron Judge is only a New York Yankee because the Cleveland Guardians signed Nick Swisher with the qualifying offer. I mean, imagine if you got the qualifying offer and had some insane amount of luck. I know that's me just throwing a bunch of hypotheticals out there, but part of me just can't help but, you know, wander a little bit into that what if scenario. Right. And so, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like with the way the rotation sits right now, you you wouldn't have faith or very little faith of the rotation minus Bieber should he get traded. I have some faith. I just I just don't know if even if you win the division, I don't think you win a playoff series without Shane Bieber. That's how I feel right now, because you're likely going to have more than more likely than not, I'm going to guess being that three seed and then you'd have to play in the wild card series again. And then you'd have to play either probably a Rays or an Astros team, or even the Rangers Rangers are good this year. Finally yeah. back into relevance. Uh, I think they're still the, the, in the lead in the uh, AL West, one of those two teams and the Rangers have a heck of an offense. And after the Rays blistering start, obviously they couldn't maintain it forever, but you've got those teams that you might have to play in a divisional series. And thinking about that, it's like you you need the guy who's who knows what they're doing. Like Bieber, nowadays with you know his velocity a little bit you know dropped off versus you know trying to go you know a little bit harder for a little less length in terms of when he goes out into his outings. I guess in a way he's more of a Cliff Lee now than uh than a 
how I viewed him as a Justin Verlander in the past, where he just seemed to get stronger as he went on. He was more like a Cliff Lee where he's going to still get guys, but he's not going to blow you away with the velocity either. Right. And I mean, to that point, it seems like he had always been a Cliff Lee because because he's always had that control. And that was the kind of thing he he hung his hat on until, mm. you know, he got into the Guardian system and then he was able to kind of ramp up that velocity that we've seen with other yeah. guys, and you I know, McKenzie included, too. Yeah. yeah, I still miss some of that velo. It's like if he was throwing like 93, 94, like literally on the on the dot consistently, I'd feel a lot better. But some of those games where it's just like, you know, he's given up a couple runs and he's uh, throwing like 89, 90, maybe 91 at best for like five pitches out of like 90 something in an outing. That's where I do get a little bit nervous. And there's also that inkling where it's like, do you trade him and hope that you don't have a situation where, uh, you know, something just gives out again and then you're stuck with, uh, you know, a negative asset? Yeah, I get that. Uh, so I want to ask you about what your outlook for the starting rotation is, um, you know, depending on the rookies now that McKenzie and Savali are back, because uh, I think at some point you you would have to start monitoring their innings because they're so young. You don't want to overuse them, especially this mm-hmm. early. Um and we can get into Gavin Williams uh, a little bit later as well, because that's another guy who's, you know, trying to inch his way up to the majors right now. But what's your outlook for the starting rotation as it sits right now? I mean, I still think McKenzie is going to be a heck of a guy. Maybe he's not on the same Cy Young caliber as uh, Bieber is, but I have a lot of faith in him. Cal Quantrill, great innings eater, guy who can give you quality starts when healthy. He's been off this year. Aaron Savali is going to be the wild card because I thought that he might have had a breakout if not for that one injury when all the rotation got decimated two years ago. I thought he was on the verge of just becoming maybe not your number one, but certainly your number two in that rotation where it's like he's got that spot locked down like, you know, Kluber Carrasco and that order back in 2016. I'm like, it, it felt like he was destined for that and then just, Finally, he's starting to look more and more like the Savale that we saw when he first came up. And I'm hoping that's the Savale we're going to get and maybe even better going into the next couple of uh, years. And then Bybee, I I love him to death. For some reason, I love him a little bit more than Alan. But at the same time, I feel like Alan has just been more consistent to some degree. And it's just, I don't, like, with Bybee, I'm, part of me wonders if... You know, Gavin Williams might replace Bybee if Allen continues to throw the way he has. Because Allen has been able to bounce back, I feel like, a little bit better from in-game bumps in the road versus how Bybee has been able to. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. 
Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, no, I agree. It's something about... Allen, I don't I don't think I can kind of hang my hat on who's better at this moment. But for whatever reason, it's like whenever Logan Allen is starting, I'm like, you know, what? it's going to be a good day today. Yeah, you may not get a an actual like quality start, but you will at least get a good, you know, five, maybe six innings, just like, you know, this past weekend on this past Friday. And you'll you'll get results. It just may not be right now the kind of ace results that you're expecting, like you get from a Shane Bieber, even just looking across baseball a Framber Valdez or, you know, X, Y, Z. Right. So, uh, yeah, moving on to Gavin Williams. Uh, I don't think anybody has a real timeline on when he's supposed to be called up. Um, my guess is at the latest would be next year. But what what's the kind of timeline you have for him right now? Because he's really dominating AAA right now. I That's the thing is that it all kind of hinges on what do you want to do with your rotation? And I... I don't know. I could see him coming up this year. Like, I don't know if you could optimize, like maybe throw Bybee in the pen, allow him to kind of just overpower hitters for the back half of the season to conserve his innings, allow Allen to continue to work in the rotation. And maybe you go six men uh, for uh, for a starting rotation for the remainder of the season. That way, maybe you allow Bieber to have a little bit on that velo as you get closer to the postseason, if you keep him. That is if you keep him or, you know, even if they do trade Bieber, maybe you go a six man rotation still Williams, Bybee, Allen, McKenzie, Savale and Quantrill. Because unless Zach Plesak decides to turn it around, I mean, he's that's that's not going to be your six man on the rotation. Yeah. Although, I want to mention that real quick. I as much as people like to rag on him, I mean, the guy, he just had so much potential and it's just like i feel like i feel like there's still something there and for him i think if he gets a change of scenery he might end up being not your ace and i never would have thought of him to be an ace i thought of him more like as your solid number three guy 
but he could certainly settle in somewhere else with a fresh start. Yeah, I agree. He's somebody that uh, I definitely had faith in when he first came up just because of, you know, how he pitched, he was consistent and then just kind of went off the rails. Um, I definitely don't think that what we're seeing out of him now is what he currently is. I do think he can turn it around, but it just, I don't want to say he wore out his welcome here, but to your point about, you know, a change of scenery, uh, that'll probably be the best thing for him right now. And there were reports last year that, you know, we were trying to trade him to St. Louis and, you know, things like that and nothing ever materialized, but unfortunately, you know, he got DFA'd and he went through waivers, but he passed waivers. And at this point, he doesn't have any, yeah, he doesn't have any trade value right now just because of, you know, how poorly he's pitched right now, even in the minors. So it's, it's almost like, you know, unfortunately you're probably just stuck with him right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe he rediscovers something. I mean, he still could be useful. He's young. He's still, he's got major league experience. He knows Mm -hmm. how to, win at the big Field, level fields his position has a great pickoff move that's that's the thing i feel like that's hurt him the most though is that his pickoff move for a right-hander is so lethal i love it i absolutely love it like just seeing him be able to pick guys off left and right but with the pitch clock and the new rules limiting to two disengagements and then if you don't get them on the third if i believe if i've got it right get two free ones and then if you try a third time you don't get them but you go to second base Mm-hmm. That part of his game, I feel like, has hurt him so much because he could get guys out like that. Just like no one could really truly predict that move for, you know, if you were caught sleeping, you were a dead duck. All right. Yeah. No, nobody knows right now. It's uh, kind of unfortunate to have someone who has the potential at being a really good rotation piece, but even in the minors isn't really producing and it's like well Mm. i guess it'll just be down there for now yeah i mean we'll see what happens but hey you've got depth you have depth at least because you could be like who is the team i'm trying to remember that's lost a bunch of their rotation i think i mean you could be the rangers who maybe don't have as ton of uh quality depth because you lose jacob Degrom, and some of your starters aren't exactly you know pitching like uh oh you know like a DeGrom when he's healthy. I mean, that's, you could be them right now and just be wondering what the heck are we going to do? Right. Um, yeah. So we're going to move on a little bit here. Uh, one, one note about the Astro series though, um, to win that, that's, uh, they haven't won a series, I believe against them since 2017. I believe that's right. I think it was 18. Okay, great. Even, even sooner. I like that. And, uh, yeah, they haven't lost a series, the Cleveland Guardians, since May 22nd through the 24th against the White Sox. Since then, they've split a four-game series against Minnesota, and they've taken two out of three over their next couple of series after that. So uh, going into tonight, since we're recording before tonight's game two against the Padres, uh, they're going to have to win each of the next two to kind of keep that streak going. So um, Arizona is right after that. So what do you kind of see out of this road trip that they're on right now? before they come home because they've kind of been hot lately. They are six and yeah. two since taking those two against Minnesota. So they're, they're kind of performing and turning it around right now. You need to continue to win just two or three. Even if it's not a sweep, take two or three, two or three that you're going to be, you know, that's if you take two out of three, that's 0.667. You're going to yeah. keep winning ball games. You're going to keep seeing that record climb up. I mean, you'll, at some point you'll be able to rattle off a win streak. If you keep just winning ball games, it's going to happen. There's going to be a, a streak where you're going to get hot and there'll be teams maybe that 
you would have only taken one out of three or two out of three that you'll be able to take three out of three. And then it's like seven games in a row. And that's how you create separation. I mean, I see this is probably, this might be the most critical stretch of the season as of right now. You are right on the Twins' heels. You have five games left this week on a West Coast swing against two really good opponents, the Padres, who are loaded to the brim with talent, and the Diamondbacks, who, if I remember right, they are either leading the division or second behind the Dodgers. Pretty and sure I they're don't in first right. place. They, yeah, that was the I surprise I, for me. It's like I thought yeah. they would be decent, but yeah. to this level, I mean, I'm, I'm like – are these really the Diamondbacks who just a couple of years ago were so putrid that you would never, you wouldn't recognize them? And I'm just in disbelief. Yeah, they are three games up on the Dodgers and uh, five and a half up on the Giants. That has been the shock of the year. I feel like. I mean, I know people may lean towards Pittsburgh, uh, who are currently up on Milwaukee, but I mean, just shock of the year, Arizona. Yeah, and I feel like that'll be kind of the real test is how they perform against teams that are not only over 500, but are, you know, winning their division or, uh, you know, at least at the very least championship contending. Um, I don't know if I would call Arizona championship contending, but they do lead their division over the juggernaut Dodgers by three games. So to that point, um, even back against the Astros series over the weekend to take two out of three over a team that will be competing in the postseason. I feel like that'll be the kind of uh, biggest key for them uh, with how they perform down the stretch. I mean, there's no disrespect here to throw at the Diamondbacks. I mean, they are tied for the best winning percentage in the National League with the Atlanta Braves at 612. They have 41 wins and 26 losses. They are they are in the running to host a divisional series. Like, yeah. We, we, like, I'm going to say, they, I they definitely no disrespect at all. Corbin Carroll is slowly becoming a superstar. You got Jake Mc. You got McCarthy, who's come back up after a demotion to the minors, looking really solid. You've been able to get Gabriel Moreno every day at bats after that trade that sent out uh, Varsho to Toronto. I mean, that that team is clicking right now. And I yeah, I think um, Gurriel is leading his position after the first uh, All-Star vote currently. And even Corbin Carroll was my pick uh, in the preseason to win National League Rookie of the Year. So, like I said, it's definitely no disrespect to Arizona. I just feel like talent-wise, they have two other teams in their division. Even though they're playing above them, two other teams in their division that are should probably at least be better than them. So we'll no, see come October, even if they host There's even more that I could have had Corbin Carroll as a keeper in the fantasy league this year, and I instead took Michael Harris. <laughs> I mean, I can I can understand that because at least Harris had the the tape that you could watch because he was yeah. a rookie last year, and so I mean that's just. But kind then of, he was dead weight when I had all sorts of injuries, and I was still able to yeah. win some games. I'm like, oh, this could not have been any worse. Yeah. But so, yeah. do you think uh, who's taking two out of three out of that series? Uh, the Diamondback series. I don't know. That's a that's a coin flip. <laughs> that's a coin flip for me. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like even if they do take two out of three, it, I'm not trying to discredit anybody. Like I said, no disrespect to the Diamondbacks, but I don't know if I would feel better knowing that it was the Diamondbacks. I know that they're leading their division and all, but I don't know. I feel like you should you should you should beat them almost. You're you know, 15 games over 500. I think at this point in the season, unless they really crater back down to earth, you're going to get a postseason spot. 
Oh, I mean, for Dodgers, sure. And here's the thing. The Dodgers don't have that Trey Turner. They don't. James Altman has cooled off significantly. You're starting Jason Hayward. I mean, this is yeah. a, that Dodgers team is vulnerable. I'm not saying that they're they're going to lose the division for the first time in you know a while, but this is going to be a team where they are not quite as invis- invincible as they usually are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it started in spring training with them losing Gavin Lux. And oh. I feel like their their infield is. Is, is kind of a mess. It's kind of like a, a it's jumbled together with the pieces that they have. And I don't know Max Muncy's numbers right now. They're probably okay, but other than Freeman. He's hitting for power, but I don't think he's hitting as much for average. Yeah. And that which they're willing no to sacrifice. Yeah. Right. Which they seem to be willing to sacrifice. There. And it just seems like everybody else isn't. They're not hitting for average or power. Mm, yeah. Because I'm. It left like, such a big the lineup hole is not. Hurt. There's, there's so much of that lineup that you don't really. Remember, outside of Freeman and Betts and a couple of the others, it's like you don't. It wasn't. It's not that same star-studded lineup that you're used to. Yeah, it's not as deep, even from a couple of years ago. I mean, you had Taylor, you had Peterson, you had Pollock. I mean, you just had different guys you could plug in there, and they had two or three catchers that could uh, get hits at any point. But yeah, it's definitely not as deep as it was a couple of years ago. Interesting note: the Diamondbacks uh, they are letting Corbin Carroll sit on the bench today. Uh, they've so I found that interesting. We'll see if anything happens from that. I doubt it, but it's probably got to be a regular day of rest for the guy. Hopefully, they do it a, a, again in a couple of days. <laughs> then we could really hopefully, talk about it. hopefully, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Guardians are sitting well before we recorded, it was two and a half. Since then, Minnesota has beat the Brewers four to two, so now it's three games. So, hopefully, we don't lose today. Um, but yeah, we're, we're talking about some all-star uh, festivities and players. And Josh Naylor is definitely creating his statement right now to be in the all-star game, as I believe he should be, even if he's not a starter. But uh, over the last 30 games, he's slashing 358, 395, and then he's slugging 578 with 30, 30 RBI over that um, over that span. And he's on a 12-game hitting streak right now. Um, a guy that I don't know his numbers against left-handers, but for whatever reason, since that Angel series, it seems like it doesn't doesn't matter who's out there on the mound. He's going to get a hit off of him. Mm. I mean, there are a couple deserving candidates on that American League side for the first base ballot. Yandy Diaz has played above his weight potentially and just gone out and been a heck of a guy. Vladdy Jr., love him to death. Nathaniel Lowe has helped lead that Rangers team to the top of their division. And then there's Naylor. You have, you know, just smoking hot. And also, don't forget, Anthony Rizzo still exists. He's actually rebounded quite nicely after a down year. But not, I wouldn't say he's not been on the same level as Naylor, at least recently. And then one of the potential contenders, if they had stayed hot, uh, I think uh, Vinny uh, Pasquant. I don't know how to say his last name. Danny Pasquatino. Pasquatino. Yeah. I think he I think he's going under the knife for season ending surgery, if I saw right earlier today. Yeah, he's out for the rest of the season now. Yeah, I mean, that kind of thins out a little bit of that first base uh ballot, but I mean there's that first base side is loaded. And even Ty France, he could he could certainly still get hot, but I mean Naylor, I mean, he has been one of the hottest dudes on the planet, and I mean We'll see. I just don't know if 
with Cleveland's lack of success prior to the last couple of weeks, if he'll get that same reward as a starter, but I certainly could see the case being made for him to be at least the Guardians' lone rep if they don't get multiple. Yeah, because you would think at least Ramirez would kind of be in the running, and certainly I can understand if he isn't just because his first half has really been yeah, not a struggle. Matt Chapman cooled down. off, but Josh Jung, Josh Jung, yeah. these Rangers, they're like he has been phenomenal. Like 284 average, 838 OPS, 13 home runs, 40 RBIs, hitting in the heart of that order. I mean, he has been nothing short of incredible. And then Jose has finally gotten hot. It's like, you know, it's pick whoever you want and you're not going to have a wrong answer. Right. Yeah. And with him not waiting to get hot, but with it coming a little bit later, I feel like that'll definitely uh, hurt him a little bit in the all-star voting. I believe he was ninth when it came out the other day. Mm, Yeah. Um, Plus you got uh, Rafael Devers who just has the home run, you know, tally. It's like, it's not going to help your case, but I think Ramirez if they're if you're going to get two players, I don't think they're going to have any pitchers this year outside of maybe Classe. It's probably going to be Naylor, Ramirez, and uh, Classe. And you know what? I'll take it. But yeah, they've got some uh, some ground to make up in the in the voting. So hopefully fans can get on that because I'll certainly be putting my votes in. So we'll see. Stay tuned for that. I, at least we'll get at least one right because well, I mean, everyone always is still one guaranteed one. Yeah, right. everyone is still guaranteed one All Star. Right. All right, well, we'll turn the page here to Josh's brother, Bo Naylor, who is on his own nine-game hitting streak. And for the season, season he's hitting 256. Uh, his on-base percentage is 348, and he's slugging 507 with 13 home runs and 48 RBI. Definitely a player with numbers like that you'd like to have in this lineup that has been so power-starved so far. Um, and real, real quick note, Josh Naylor, by the way, has the seventh most RBI in the majors. Just wanted to throw that out there. But, um, yeah, Bo Naylor, who is, I mean, he's raking in, in AAA right now. And uh, talks have been that they're not going to call him up unless he'll be the everyday catcher. So with both of our catchers struggling mightily at the plate and our main starter struggling mighty defensively behind the plate, um, when do you see him being called up? He should have been called up by now. I mean, I'm just... Yeah. I'm just miffed with the front office and I normally don't get this passionate over, you know, service time per se. It's been a like, especially when Harris gave that interview the other day, I'm reading the answers and I'm just seeing service time, service time, service time. It's like, look at the reds. They have the most to lose by bringing up uh, Ellie De La Cruz. Guess what? They've been getting pretty dang hot of late. Mm-hmm. And credit that to him, to McLean, to all of those guys that they've brought up through that youth movement. And just seeing the lineup, no Joey Votto. I mean, they have been humming. It's just a disservice to your team and to your fans to keep this going. It's just, I am, I'm at a loss for words, man. I thought that they should have brought up Naylor for good by now. But if you do not have him up before the, calendar flips to july (laughs) then i don't know what they're doing like literally he is your guy it's the whole vladdy jr defense thing it's the whole chris bryant defense thing xyz prospect who ended up being a good big leaguer it's just enough enough with the excuses no one's going to come out and admit it because they don't want to have a uh, grievance filed against them but 
just bring the dude up. Like, I don't, if you have to wait three more days and those three more days could be the difference between you getting into the playoffs and not. And I hope they look back at the season and be like, yeah, yeah, we screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Chris Bryant file a grievance against the Cubs because oh, they, yeah. and they, they tried to manipulate service took, time? They took so many years to let that work through and then he lost. Yeah. I mean, I don't, he was never going to have a chance to win in the first place that grievance, but he should have, like, given the politics of baseball, you're not going to see something like that happen now, are you? Yeah, I'm not a million or even a billionaire, but so to me, I think it's easy to say, you know, screw service time issues, just bring them up because if it's going to help you win on the field, that should, should be the most important part, right? So it, it definitely does sound like from the press conference a couple of days ago, that while they won't come out and admit that it's service time manipulation, it definitely seemed like you could gather that from what was being said. And my retort yeah. to that is who cares? I mean, he's performing really well right now. And if he was on the major league team, he'd definitely be at worst, the third best player in the lineup right now. He'd, he'd yeah. help you win. If you start winning, it would be because of him and not in spite of him. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because you'd have a guy who's able to hit, he was able to feel the position pretty well. I mean, just looking at that catching position, I mean, Zunino just has lost it ever since that surgery. I mean, I love the guy, like, just as a player overall, just, but he's not what you need. You need to get some more production out of that position. And it's, and I was going to have another point on all this, and I forgot what it exactly was going to be, but it's just, it's just a shame because. I remember, oh, this is what I was thinking of. Last year, you see all of these guys come up. You see Julio, you see Quan, uh, you see just all these rookies come up, and most of them stuck the whole way. Torkelson, I mean, they all ended up, for the most part, a good portion of them contributing heavily to their teams and really proving that they could play. I'm thinking, these guys have shown you what they can do. What's changed from a year ago? Because I didn't, I felt like there weren't as many aggressive promotions as there was a year ago with even Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah. It just felt like there was something missing. Now, do you think it could be also that the front office doesn't want to even indirectly admit that maybe the Zanino signing was a mistake? Because you could even throw Bell in there, but it seems like he's also turned it around lately. I could see that maybe being the case but I don't want to say that with certainty, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like they should be willing to cut costs. Cause they, I mean, years ago they did it with Mark Reynolds. He started off hot, cooled off. Mm -hmm. And then he's, he, I still remember it was like a weekend series in Miami. He started to hit and then they cut bait with him. It was just like, all right, well, I feel like they can do the same thing. I mean, most of the same players are around, except it's not uh, uh, Shapiro at the top of the hierarchy. It's uh, uh, Antonetti. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not vouching for a guy to lose his job, but I don't know. Continually to put out Zanino, I think, is definitely hurting. So I, I don't see the issue, and especially on a one-year contract. to Just DFAM, I think you could keep Gallagher as the number two behind behind Naylor and have him start every day. And even if you want to send Fry back down, cause you don't want to carry three catchers, but I think you could even have some versatility with him because he plays the infield and catcher, but that's just me. That's just my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, 
justifiable there. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah. Well, on that note, I guess we can get out of here now since tweeting and talking about Bo Naylor every day, I mean, it does nothing. I see it over Guardian's Twitter all the time. I'm just like, you know, it's not doing us any favors. You're just going to drive yourself crazy by doing it every five minutes, but it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, the, a lot of truth to that. Yeah. All right, Sean. Well, again, thank you for hopping on. I'll uh, let you plug your thing so that people can find you. I know you're a baseball writer. You cover this and that. Uh, so, yeah, tell everybody where they can find you and what you're doing on a day to day basis. Yeah. So most weekdays I am with the Morning Journal uh, writing on high school sports and a little bit of pro sports sprinkled in every now and then once in a blue moon. But uh, I have covered the a couple of prior seasons. I was at the COVID season. I was in 2021. I've seen a bunch of stuff. You can follow me at Fitz on Sports BSR. And then also you can also hear my voice on Sundays, usually with WKSU, Ideas Stream Public Media. Listen along with you during some of your late morning and early afternoon programs that listeners support and love. That's right. Go follow Sean on Twitter. Also, shout out to Kent State. Can uh, can hey, forget, Golden you know, forget about baby. that? That's right. That's right. Got to show them love as well. Blue and gold. That's right. But uh, yeah. So on that note, for Sean, this has been another episode of Believe in Guardians. Thank you for joining again, and I will catch you guys next week. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. 
That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. 